Industry Pods and Evergreen Podcast Network are pleased to present the following podcast. This content is for informational purposes only. You should not construe any such information or other material as legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. Nothing contained on here constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer by Draper Gorenholm or any third-party service provider to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments whatsoever. Hey everyone, it is me. We are here. Uh, we Joseph is here too. Say hi, Joseph. Hey, what's up? Boom, boom, boom. We're recording. Good morning, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. I am recording this on the computer now. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Boom. All right. It says it's recording. Boom. 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 I am apparently recording. The entire bottle of control. They're all exactly the same. Crypto art. And then what it really is, is an NFT. Wow. How do you want to slap the bag? So this is the next best thing. DeFi is going to be a bubble. It's provably scarce. With Mad Dog. Crypto, gold, and silver. Transparent substance. Take my money, start a war with it. Without further ado. Cheers to you, brother. Get shit done. Because the system has to collapse before that. Cheers, I feel much better now. Cheers. <laughs> wow, that was heavy. Boom. Uh, welcome uh, to Blockchain and Booze number uh, 129. Uh, cheers to that. Nine weeks uh, into this. I, uh, cheers, guys. Uh, this is going to be a fun one. Cheers. Uh, all, all three of these guys are, are experts in their field. We're going to learn about their projects. We'll probably uh, talk about the merge a little bit. Uh, that's happening in a few hours. Uh, um, <laughs> Crispin uh, uh, joking uh, in the backstage saying, woo, I was worried about the ties. I think you're talking about the graphic at the beginning. I think we got all we all had pictures where we were dressed super fancy and uh but uh, this is crypto, man, and a live stream. You know, we're not even in real life. You know, this is as fancy as I get. This is, okay, if I'm going to be honest, really quick before I jump into the actual homework and the things I'm supposed to say at the beginning, this shirt, if you ever see me wearing it, it's the shirt that I keep like 90% of the time on the back of my chair for when uh, I am in an emergency situation. Oh, shit, I have to put on a shirt right now because I'm working from home and I'm probably not wearing a shirt 99% of the time. And then I, like my alert goes off going, oh shit, you have a Zoom meeting right now. Um, so are you? Uh, that, that's, that's a little behind the scenes, uh, probably a little TMI for, for all of you. But welcome to Blockchain and Booze. If you are watching on one of the live streams like uh, Lunar Crush um, or uh, on YouTube or anywhere else, go to blockchainbooze.io if you want to be able to chat with the rest of the community, turn on your camera when we're done and, and hang out and do all that stuff. Also, a big thank you to uh, Blockchain Radio, who syndicates this and plays this after uh, every week and, and, uh, and um, for, for doing that. And one quick piece of homework that I always forget to throw up. We have LA Blockchain Summit coming up. November 1st to the 3rd, the opening party will actually be on Halloween the night before. We're going to have a lot of fun. If you're not already uh, um, making plans, start making plans. We're going to have a great time. Um, guys, welcome. 
129. Um, this is this is this is uh, this this will be a good one. You know, we've been talking a lot about NFTs uh, and and everything else that's very very hypey um, and you know getting uh, exciting the last the last couple of years. But I, I'm excited to talk a little DeFi, talk a little stable coins, and 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 you know we we're talking backstage a little bit about the merge. Um, uh, I. You know, a little uh, shout out to Benedetto, who's online at like 2 a.m. right now, his time. Um, the rest of us are, are online at reasonable hours. Thank you for, uh, for for doing it. But let's let's jump in, guys. I'd like to go kind of let's let's start. Let's just go around the circle. Start with you, Ivan, and uh, just give us a little background on yourself and uh, and, um, you know, your background and then how you got into how about how you got into crypto? Then we'll get into the, to your companies on, on round two. I think uh, I if I got to do the whole story, it's going to take too long. So I'm just going to super bridge one. And if something relevant comes up, I'll, I'll sneak it in there. Uh, but obviously, uh, my background is in portfolio management trading. So when something came up as a hey, look, this is at the intersection of finance and crypto. Uh, this was like 2012, 13. I, obviously, we got into it, got my friends to get into it. And we all traded on this. A venerable venue called Mongox, and uh, you know, mm, I'll tell you that's good old days. That's how you get initiated, right? Uh, if you don't get rug once, it doesn't really count, right? Yeah. Um, I will, and then yeah, uh, I, uh, I, yeah, maybe shouldn't go into it while we're doing the intros, but yeah, I, I didn't really get to participate much, Mountain Gox, but a big initiation. The big initiation for me was, uh, was like Ether Delta, right? <laughs> Yes. That was that yes. was the exchange that really you rubbed yourself every time you participated on Ether Delta. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, we can go back to those stories. Uh, I'm sure we'll have more time on that. Uh, let me. Uh, so after that, we played around for a while. Got into crypto mining and Ethereum in 2016. So we basically bought up all these uh, machines in Best Buy, and they stopped selling to us because they thought we were a wholesaler. Uh, you know, that's how we got involved with Ethereum. And, uh, you know, we saw DeFi come in, which is exactly what most of us are now involved in, right? We were at fixed income portfolio management. We've been in crypto for 10 years. It's like, well, this is the intersection of fixed income and crypto. What better thing to be involved with? And that's how Pennyworks was born. So that's my little quick 30 second intro. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, we're going to have to jump into it. But um, let's go uh, you next, Benedetto. Yeah, so I was meeting blockchain more first as technology during my master's study in, um, I was studying in management, engineering and innovation. So I had a course over IT technologies and then I met blockchain and I started to work for a software house in Italy, which is Blockchain Italia's project manager. And uh, there it's where I met also the DeFi summer and it was pretty, you know, pure law. And um, yeah, DeFi, it was, it was what really takes me into uh, wanted to build something good and, uh, you know, that can really do something that matters to society. So that's my quick overview. But in general, I'm, a, I'm an engineer, moved from mechanical engineering to IT just because, you know, mechanical was boring for me. <laughs> Nice. Very cool. Nice. Very cool. And uh, and Raphael, what's what's your background and how'd you get into the space? Uh, thanks, Alon. And I appreciate you having me on. Um, my background is in computer science. I studied CS at Stanford, graduated 2015. 
and then pretty quickly after founded the company that would become Trust Token. Uh, and uh, actually, I want to say Benedetto, when I actually went into college, I started in mechanical engineering and then moved over oh. to uh, computer science because I just you know, followed a similar path. There's something very compelling about just being able to sit down at a computer, write some software and just turn it out. There's very few things like that elsewhere in the world. Um, but I first encountered crypto while I was in school, but never didn't get full time into it until 2017 when my startup hard pivoted. We just hard pivoted it into becoming a crypto company. And uh, I can tell you some uh, some fun stories about that later. Very cool. So so when you say, uh, you know, your, your startup uh, hard pivoted in, into crypto, right? Was was that trust token or was that a, a previous startup? It's this startup. Um, oh, when yeah. it, it, its first incarnation, it was uh, the name of the company was Zen Trust. And we made software for estate planning, software to help people make their wills and trusts. And we were about a year into building that and starting to have our first customers and first revenue. And we just saw, we'd been following what was happening in crypto for a while. Yeah. We saw it was happening in 2017 and we thought, man, there have got to be some opportunities for us here that are going to be more compelling than, because the estate planning business was, yeah, it was having some issues. It was getting a little more competitive. And uh, we saw it was happening with Tether. Yeah. And that was our in because we saw we said, look, we're we're a very unique team because we've got, you know, tech people and we've got legal expertise as well, just because of what we were doing, estate planning software. Mm -hmm. And we said, you know, we think we can just build a modern stable coin, build a stable coin the way it was meant to be. And that was the birth of true USD. And from there, we were just off to the races. That's, that's really cool. It's interesting because, you know, uh, I think there's there's some huge opportunities and it's probably um, it, it might be a little early right now. Uh, and, but I've, I know I've dabbled in, in exploring some of these. Joseph, uh, my partner and I actually kind of work up an idea and we're trying to work with somebody to build a, a, a tool like this. Not exactly a legal trust, but like a crypto decentralized style trust. Right. Yes. And nobody's really done that in a great way yet, as far as I know. But but there's nothing, you know, smart contracts, like how great, you know, you could probably build some great products. And I know this isn't going into what Trust Token actually does, but just thinking about trusts, right? Like, why don't I have somehow the, the keys to all my hardware wallets or, or the keys to all my crypto and stuff living in some kind of smart contract that can like, Basically, if I don't ping it every certain period of time or, or it you know, gives me some kind of grace period, if I don't do any transactions from my wallet or, or from a specific wallet in a certain period of time, it assumes I'm yeah. dead. Give me one last chance. <laughs> uh -huh. And if you know, it doesn't work, you know, sends the keys to my wife or something or distributes right. this NFT to this person, this thing to that person you know, or whatever. Like there's, it's a smart contract could very easily do some of these things without any intermediaries um it's uh it, it's it's interesting that nobody's done it quite yet if, if anyone is working on it i know there are some hit me up i'd love to learn but you know coming from that space and doing that you know how, how do you feel about that do you think i'm uh oversimplifying it or i i think something like that completely makes sense um our in 
with uh, trusts and similar entities uh, and smart contracts was actually um, a, almost the reverse. It was figuring out how can we get to have legal entities and assets in the real world, you know, within the normal legal system that are controlled by a smart contract in a legally binding way. That was really the genesis of true USD, right? Where we have US dollars that are held exclusively on the behalf of the token holders, which we think is, you know, is really the proper way yeah. to design a stable coin. And I think has been uh, it's, replicated it's, many it's, times. I, since. I, as far as I understand, it's one for one, right? Like one exactly. US dollar exists for one uh, true USD token, right? Exactly. Very simple. And then later in 2020, we launched TrueFi, which is our protocol for uncollateralized lending in DeFi. And that's a similar concept of, okay, you want to do a loan to an actual business in the real world, right? Yeah. And somehow you need that to correspond to, you know, something that's happening in a DeFi protocol. How do you do that in a legally binding way? Go from on-chain to off-chain, and then once you have repayment, go back to on-chain. And how do you handle defaults, collections, and so on? So that kind of smart contract to legal entity connection has always been a, a huge area of interest for us. I, you know, I I love that stuff. It's that's it's not only very interesting, but I think it's it's totally needed to create also a um, a mature financial market, right? Like to, to create something that's that's more than just some of these this DeFi that we're seeing sort of B1 DeFi stuff where it's like very disjointed products and, and people creating the ecosystem kind of on their own. We kind of we need these these more mature style products and, and a whole ecosystem sort of products, right? So um, I'd like to, you know, let's let's maybe go um, across the board. You know, we, we jumped into to Raphael already with Trust Token. Uh, Ivan, tell us a little bit more about Pennyworks and what you guys uh, are doing, so we can we can dive in a little deeper for, for everyone. Yeah, I, I think it's a it's a similar theme, right? So you you start with a system where you only had crypto tokens, right, or risky tokens, and then you have a world where hey, look, now we have stable coins, which Theoretically, you, you consider that as a blockchain native construct, but really it's also a mapping of a real world asset, right? The asset exactly the dollar. So this is like the first baby step, right? So it's it's like, uh, as people say, the primitive Lego building blocks of crypto, right? So then the next thing you have on that as a natural evolution of that is borrowing lending, right? The basic financial constructs. And so that's super exciting in terms of if you're comfortable with crypto, being able to do that. Unfortunately, the current financial system is wired so that you're not directly the bearer of assets. You're not directly the one that's controlling the mechanism for that. And people kind of gotten used to it. So, you know, as much as DeFi is awesome, if you're crypto native, some people are fundamentally uncomfortable. It'd be hard for me to convince my mom, like, yeah, just don't worry, type in this code, you know, and uh, if you forget the code, you lose everything, but don't worry about it, uh, right? And so really getting that uh, a compliant way or a traditional financial way for them to only extract the investment vehicle portion mm. without the operational portion of the blockchain. Right? So who's, who, who custodies it on their behalf in, in your system? So in our system, what they're doing is that we're, we're in compliance. They're purchasing our securities, right? So we are in the interpretation uh, selling securities and they're buying our debt securities right and then in which case we have an obligation to them 
but the benefit of that is that then we are able to manage the crypto using our expertise and the scale of the actual business to, to like not have random you know metamask wallet or so on and so forth and losing yeah. the funds so it's, it's more like hey crypto is 100 percent transparent right just like a lot of investments are transparent but still people delegate some of that responsibility because either one they don't want to worry about it they're not feeling as confident about it or they just want to leverage somebody else for the operational piece and so we take all of that into consideration and given the convenience of like hey this is just an investment at this point right so you interface yeah. with us you receive a 1099 you don't have to worry about it you don't have to parse the blockchain and uh, even if you do parse the blockchain you know for anybody that's participated in DeFi last year trying to do their DeFi taxes you know i don't think that the the DeFi tax people were ready right especially yeah. if you're computing interest accrual on counting right is yeah. compounds account considered capital gains or is it interest income that's a really really big challenge you can't just you can't just hit the export button on your zerion and send it to a, a cpa and be like bro file my taxes <laughs> that, that actually i will i will say there are some cpas that are yeah. really good at this there, and, and there are specialized yeah. so. how much do they charge uh, uh, <laughs> amount <laughs> Ivan, that was a great explanation of pennyworks i really like how you how you explain that yeah, yeah Ivan, just just jumping in do you guys provide any um investment products yourself or is it strictly you know a a separation there like do you just kind of allow people to participate how they want but through your construct or or do you guys so, whitelist so products? technically we provide at, at the beginning and this we recently launched we only provide one product right and that is essentially the pennyworks notes which is the way that you get exposure to DeFi fixed income without having to actually do anything, right? Which and, which DeFi products do you offer? Yeah. Uh, so we don't offer. So we're the, we're the, we provide our Pennyworks nodes, which means yeah. that they invest in securities. We give them right. a Pennyworks node, and then we give them interest as a result of that. So what is so Pennyworks node? Yeah. is then a uh a, a security it's a private right. company or product and that's you right. guys are investing in DeFi with that that's money? right that's right so what do you guys is is it proprietary like no no or, it's or, actually or is on it, our, you know? yeah it's so proprietary we'll put it on our front page <laughs> good <Info Okay>. <laughs> I, I was gonna i was gonna figure out how to dance around being no, nice no. and telling you that sounds like bullshit. um <laughs> but i'm glad that you're very transparent about it so what are you guys yeah. invested in uh, on yeah so it's on the front page okay. you click how it works we we describe a little bit how collateralized lending works because yeah. we realize besides just the crypto being a different beast a lot of people are just not familiar with collateralized lending to no i mean especially because they've been boxed out of it forever right. right if you if you wanted to be the lender in right. a collateralized lending situation in the united states um up until very very recently um you were you had to be an accredited investor you had to be a qualified right. um investor in some way right That's and right. so most people have no clue how that system works right um right. you know essentially you being a bank yourself right so so i love that you guys do that so is there a specific yeah. protocol you guys back or do you guys spread it across multiple products? Yeah, we, we spread it across and right now we're fairly conservative. So really just like a compound, Ave, Maker, and we also have Notional Finance, which mm -hmm. provides a fixed but very short-term dated uh, loans. And so kind of that's the theme, but the overarching requirements that they are collateralized. So the cool. idea is that you want it to be a really strong alternative 
to like a money market fund, something that really should be like a boring base layer that you can just set it and forget it. Yeah. And if you do want something more risky, then we can create those two as a second iteration and so on and so forth. Cool. Yeah, I love that. It's, that that's, I, I, I love that too, because the, I will tell you the best <laughs> I remember. So one of my first jobs that were in tech, um, like I, I, I kind of try to qualify it because I worked at like a teller at a bank when I was in college. And then I worked at Countrywide when I was in college Ooh, in architecture group, which was pre-financial crisis Countrywide. And right, I had, right. you know, you could see the writing on the wall if you were smart enough to realize, but I was, you know, like a 20 year old college student, not really knowing what was going on, just knowing how ridiculous it was because they were offering me mortgage. Um, and I was making like literally like $9 an hour working there. It made no sense. Um, but um, going back to what I was saying, you know, what's, uh, you know, what, what was really funny is when I got my job at MySpace, which was my first job in tech, I got a bank account at, I think at the time it was Emigrants Direct or something like that. And I was yeah. so excited to make 3% interest on my bank account. And that was like at a time where, you know, interest rates were crazy through the roof, but that's, that's right. what the savings account was getting you. And that was the best savings account you could get at the time. Right. Oh, yeah. Think about that. Like that's what the average person, they feel like they're insanely lucky if they can, if they can earn 3% at a bank. Right. I go oh, through yeah. a drive through Starbucks every day that's actually shares like the building with a bank. And I look at their products offering people 1% interest on their savings accounts, right? right. It's, it's mind blowing um, how terrible these products are, but people are happy to get them because they're the right. only ones available to them. But well, you know, I was- Alana, headed... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I just want to say, so at the risk of starting some controversy here, I want to mention uh -oh. that Rates in collateralized DeFi, the kind of stuff that Yvonne, by the way, is it Yvonne or, Yvonne or Ivan? Ivan, Ivan's fine. Ivan. Yeah. The, um, we have a bunch of our team in Poland, and so a lot of time it's Yvonne for them. But Ivan, yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the rates that collateralized DeFi is offering right now it, are pretty low. I mean, com, right looking now. at it right now, Compound is point, it's 57 basis points, 0.57% on USDC. Uh, it's a, it's more on 1.2% on DAI, 0.84% on Tether, pretty low rates. Yeah. And one thing I want to talk it's, about at some point is uncollateralized DeFi, which yes, yeah. is a different point along the risk return curve, but I think potentially a much more attractive one where you can <laughs> oftentimes get eight to 12% because yeah. people are willing to pay way more tomorrow uncollateralized. Yeah. And we need to yes. we need to talk about why people are afraid of that at the moment because of what they've been promised from things like Celsius and, and all that for the last uh, few couple of years. But true. But, but I will note that that is that the, yeah. that's CFI, not DeFi, and that's so, true. So that differentiation, but, I think, is yeah. very important. But yeah, so I was gonna my next question before we jump into folks finance because we need to hear from uh, Benedetto. Uh, being too polite and not interrupting I'm, it's, it's because it's two in the morning uh, uh but uh but ivan what's what's pennyworks currently in that in that product actually i have two questions um sure. is that product open to everyone yeah. not just no. credit investors unfortunately it's open only to credit investors we're okay. doing it's through a reg d506c uh that's similar to some of the people that are in similar uh kind of businesses and uh you know i think the goal here is to you know, there's always a silver lining to a something, you know, catastrophic events. And then the silver lining here is that uh, you now have a track record where 
cryptos collapsed 70 percent within the span of like three weeks right or something like that and yeah. all the DeFi protocols are just humming along without a hiccup right and before that crisis you were playing hey look what if this or hypothetical straw man argument yeah now it's like no this is actually we've been through, through a few of these now if you've right. zoomed out enough and i think that we're we're proving the you know uh uh you know we uh you know people way smarter than me uh on behalf of our whole industry are proving right the 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 long-term uh value of, of decentralization and doing things properly and, and everything right. else right so what's what's the current uh rates you guys are providing is it does it fluctuate really uh drastically we, you know regularly uh, or, or? so we we keep it simple so we change it maybe once a month or once every couple of months right now it's between four to six percent which is not very high um a lot of the higher great. yield yeah, it's it's okay. If, but, if yeah. you tell you know the traditional world, right, that your money is in a, uh, um, your money is is doing this, and you're earning between four and six percent, I think they're happy. Um, I think in in crypto, we are very uh, jaded, and we kind yeah. of have crazy expectations that are kind of ridiculous most of the time, right? Yeah. Um, uh, so it's uh, one of our community members said, so still less than inflation. <laughs> How dare you? Um, but, you know, we can't we can't control uh, the government, unfortunately, um, as much as uh, the government tells us they, they work for us. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. So Benedetto, let's, let's jump into folks finance and hear from you. And if I remember correctly, uh, maybe I'm getting my wires crossed from my research, but I think folks finance is uh, is the the um, is the only one here that's not built on Ethereum, right? Correct. We are not. Uh -huh. Oh, we're not either. But uh, oh, you're not. What What are you built on? We're, we're kind of agnostic, so we, we just uh, go and vet out the protocols and the yields. And so, for example, we're happy using Aave uh, on whatever chain that they are supported. So gotcha. EVM compatible so far. It's been pretty pretty good. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, it makes sense because your user doesn't have to go direct, right? So you That's guys right. do it on their behalf. So there's a level of obfuscation that makes it easier for you to deal with it. But but what what um, what are you built on? And, and tell us about folks finance. Yeah. Uh, so I mentioned before I was working for a software house. So the software house was partner of Algorand. Uh, for those who, those who doesn't know, Algorand is a uh, a pure proof of stake based blockchain uh, with a consensus that's decentralized and secure and scalable. So it's the founder is MIT professor in Turing Award, Silvio Micali, and uh, it's simply a genius of cryptography. Uh, he was the one inventing also the base of cryptography that then was used for Bitcoin and uh, all the other, uh, also the JK uh, technology. So uh, behind there is a great brain, uh, uh, also a great team, all coming from institution or university uh, such as MIT. And, um, you know, the software house was already a partner of this, just our founder and Silvio were met in a conference, both Sicilians was, you know, pure love at the beginning. <laughs> and uh, from that, um, we started to build uh, our products in um, using Algorand and mm -hmm. also doing consulting uh, um, on Algorand, but in general, we are blockchain agnostic. Um, and 
you know, when we saw DeFi growing, we were like, we have the competitive knowledge. We were one of the first and the fewest building on that chain. And we were, okay, let's build uh, something cool. And we thought that um, leveraging the institutional trust that Algorand does, for sure, building a lending protocol would have been uh, a good uh, you know, bet because um, and Algorand is working a lot to getting this relationship with the institution. So in our opinion, having this type of protocol verticalized on that field would have been uh, on Algorand, so recognized as this, uh, would have been a very good promise. And um, it is going very well. We launched on uh, April uh, this year. Um, in July, we were the first protocol in Groat on the Phylama. We have about $80 million last time I checked as TVL. Um, because we uh, so folks finance or or uh, the algo DeFi community in general. Uh, the algo DeFi is about two hundred fifty million. Uh, we are in, in the second place. Yeah, um, we don't offer just over collateralized lending. Uh, we have also the algo liquid governance feature. Uh, so also I think here is needed a bit of background. Um, in Algorand there is um, the centralized governance voting system. So every three months, there is this commitment of Algos, where through the Algorand Foundation website, uh, you can commit your Algo and participate in their governance. Uh, simply, we saw the inefficiencies of needing to commit the Algo, and then you know you can't use your liquidity in the ecosystem. So we built up a rapid version of Algo, so that you commit through Fox Finance Algo Liquid Governance. You mean Gialgo, which stands for Governance Algo. And, uh, you know, we were amazing during the last commitment to, to work with partnership in the ecosystem. So right now, Gialgo, you can find it in all the major exchange, decentralized exchanges in Algorand. You can purchase NFTs, you can use in gaming. So it yeah. was... I will, I will say, yeah, I'll, I'll say that, you know, I still don't have... Um, the, you know, uh, um, a lot of um, experience and, and I don't know as much about Algo as, as I wish I did, but I remember hearing um, uh, hearing you and some of the folks uh, speak about Algo. I think it was at our last LA Blockchain Summit, the virtual yeah. one, um, and I was really, really impressed. I think that there was a, um, there was a, a technical session too where, where your um, developer evangelist was showing, um, showing uh, uh, well, your the the, the the Algorand Foundation's technical evangelist was showing people uh, how to build, and um, it was really really interesting. So since that time, it's been almost a year. Um, it sounds like things have grown significantly. Yeah, a lot. Like I saw yesterday the latest update of the ecosystem. I and I'm into the ecosystem hundred percent. You know, I know a lot of funders, a lot of projects. But when I saw the last one, I was like, "Oh, these things are getting out of my of my track. It's growing so so quickly." Wow. Um, yeah, we have a bunch of great VCs, and the foundation supports uh, the growth. Uh, so we will see. I think the next yeah. year. I think that's the first the first step in in like a newer blockchain or, or newer yeah. platform in general is is once you lose track and can't keep up with all the projects it means something so, good is going on right yeah yeah, yeah. 100 and there is the partnership with fifa 
which uh, you know oh. it will turn out in something good for sure. So they have uh, built in collaboration with FIFA an NFT marketplace for collectibles of the World Cup. So wow. let's see what we do potentially with users. So let's I see. still have I still have the pins for each. Uh, I don't think I have every country, but I'm close to every country. Um, the pins still in the little packages from the Happy Meals at McDonald's from when the World Cup in 1994 was in the United States. You could go to McDonald's and you could get a pin and you would get a random country um, in the Happy Meal. So we had to go back. And my family only let me go once a week to McDonald's because, you know, we we had to eat at home and and all that. Like, you know, uh, but, but, uh, you know, Think about that now. I went. People went from you know physical pin collectible kind of things to today. We're going to be collecting those one of you know those uh, those limited edition things uh, on the blockchain as NFTs. Um, it's pretty fun. Yeah, and think when you will collect these in the metaverse. You know, like. Well, I need, I need, uh, I need, you know, my ape needs one of those jerseys to wear in Decentraland, right? You know. <laughs> I will say, just throwing it out there, that um, uh, I'm I'm uh, I grew up with with soccer because of my family and stuff, and I, I'm not like uh, I'm not a hardcore fan of any particular team. But I'm you know a part of the Tezos community. I, I participate a lot in that community, and when I saw the Tezos AC Milan jerseys, I was you know uh, or not. Was it AC Milan? No, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm saying AC Milan because I was going to ask you something about that because you're Italian. Um, uh, Manchester United. There's Manchester United Tezos warm-up jerseys. I'm dying to get my hand on one just because I actually have a uh, Manchester United jersey at my parents' house that I got when I was a kid. And uh, now I need the, the modern version, you know, nerding out because of blockchain stuff. Um uh marina i'm gonna say let me really quickly reset it and i want to jump into some of these things but i also want to talk a little more about trust token and hear about your uh feelings rafael about the sort of blockchain agnostic world that we're kind of going into right um but before i do that those of you watching on one of the live streams i know there's a bunch of you on youtube a bunch of you on twitter a bunch of you in on linkedin and facebook jump into blockchainbooze.io i see a Marina in there giving me some crap. Adele is back there. Crispin, a bunch of our friends are back there. Jump in, ask questions. And um, those of you who are in there, start asking any questions you have for this crew. And I will ask your questions uh, before I ask mine, because most of you are smarter than me. Um, I'll I'll say most of you, and I'm looking at you, Adele. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Adele is a uh, genius uh, doctorate member of our community he's uh, an engineer and a rock star i'm just giving him shit i love him he knows me um just in case uh, you guys are like why is he being such an ass to one of their community members uh, oh hey joshua um so feel free to ask questions um but but rafael you know uh um you know folks is built on on algorand there's about 250 million dollars uh in assets on that network, that's not nothing. In, in the blockchain world, that, that's a huge deal, right? Um, it looks sounds like Pennyworks uh, just goes towards the best conservative good yield they can get their clients. Yeah, um, I'm looking at folks' finance, like 9% USDT. Some work yeah, to hey. do, uh, Rafael. There we go. <laughs> Rafael, you, you, 
I can't hear you now all of a sudden. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I said we have 10.4 on Ooh. USDT, just to be clear. Let's start a, uh, uh, you know. Price war. <laughs> if, so, if this was centralized finance, you actually could just ratchet it up against each other until somebody <laughs> gets a client, right? Uh-huh. Uh, and we should just be clear, none of this is investment advice. Please right. do your own research. But Alana, I, I agree. It's very interesting to see how each ecosystem, you know, Algorand, Tezos, et cetera, is trying to win the L1 war. You know, I'd say similar to, to Benedetto and um, Ivan, I would say we are agnostic to blockchains in the sense that, you know, our DeFi protocol, TrueFi, will go wherever the lending and borrowing demand is. Right now, TrueFi is on Ethereum L1 as well as on Optimism. And being on Optimism allows us to have lending portfolios that can make sense for much smaller lenders. If you wanted to put 100 USDC into a lending portfolio, it wouldn't make that much sense on L1 where your uh, gas fee would take a significant cut of the interest that you're going to make over the coming months. Yeah. On Optimism, of course, that's much more attractive. Um, but we wouldn't have any objections to launching on other blockchains if we saw significant demand for lending and borrowing there. And we are in talks with several different L2s and some L1s as well about the possibility of launching. Um, but ultimately, we're going to go wherever the demand is. So I would yeah. say we love Ethereum. We're big fans of Ethereum, but we're not dogmatic about Ethereum necessarily being the future if another blockchain uh, does uh, surpass Ethereum. It does, that being it, said, I will say we yeah. also do have some major open source projects in the Ethereum community that we would be sad to uh, lose if Ethereum ended up you know, completely losing to uh, Algorand or some other blockchain. Um, but you know, many of those things could ultimately be transferred over if necessary. Yeah, I think that there's there's also, you know, looking at it this like all or nothing kind of way that a lot of folks like to look at it. I think the biggest the best example of that is our friends uh, in the Bitcoin community um, who totally. kind of look at it like they, they, you know, for lack of and I, don't, I can't say everyone is like this, but so many of them, at least publicly, uh, like to uh, trash talk as if somehow them trash talking somebody else makes them look better um i think yeah. that's a terrible way to uh to to talk about what makes you a better uh person actually i had a conversation the other day this is totally an aside um but i had a conversation the other day with somebody who asked me about a company um who you know just a company that i know the founders of and i had talked to many years ago when they launched their company and uh, they're, they're in the blockchain space. I won't get into specifics. It's not that, that important. They asked me, they said, you know, what do you think about this company? And <laughs> all I could say is I remember when I met the founder, we had an hour long call. Yeah. And all he did was talk trash about his competitor the whole time and why they're assholes, why they stole something from them, wow. why they're bad and why they're terrible. And by the end of the call, I remember thinking, the guy was a nice guy, but he was like, he clearly got his feelings hurt by his competitor. And I didn't know a single thing about their company other than <laughs> they hated their competitor. Right. And I was like, how, how is that? You know, how, how is that going to translate to getting a customer 
or doing, you know, or, or building a company, right? Um, and, you know, I think the Bitcoin community has to learn from that. And especially because they want to, uh, um, you know, they, them talking trash about Ethereum or them talking trash about shit coins or whatever they want to talk about. Mm-hmm. One, you know, we're not freaking stupid and we've been around for more than six months. And we know that about a year and a half ago, you were totally on board and fine with all of these people. <laughs> or maybe you were shilling some of these projects. And now because it's good for business, you've, you've switched sides or whatever. But also, you don't make Bitcoin look good by talking trash about other people. You just make totally. either make yourself look like an idiot or maybe you make that thing look bad. Fine. But that doesn't make Bitcoin look better. There's so many things that are amazing about Bitcoin and why we love it. Like, talk about that. And also, if you're going to hate on someone, how about the whole centralized finance world that you built Bitcoin to circumvent? Like, let's focus there instead of the people who are somewhere in the middle that you think are taking attention away from you or something. Like, it's such right. a bad place to come from this place of insecurity. It's so weird. The, um, there's a lot of a lot of those almost like religious wars that happen yeah. in crypto where like the best of friends can become the worst of enemies, like yeah. like Protestants and, and Catholics, you know, like so many similarities, but, but then the, the, the small differences that they might have become such large issues. Yeah. And even something like Bitcoin and Ethereum communities, they, they do have so much that they could be aligned on. And yet uh-huh. some people put more attention on their differences than on what they have in common. It, it drives me nuts because like even using the religious world as an example, right? Like, you know that you grew up with people. Some are really smart. Some might be not so smart. Some are really good people. Some aren't so good people, right? Some say they're religious. Some don't say they're religious. But somewhere in the middle, what you realize is like, even somebody who's the completely opposite end of the spectrum from you religiously, if they're like a friend you grew up with or a family member and you love them and you know that they're a good person, you don't give a crap. Right. Like, right. but, but there's like, you know, these people that are so strong and again, they, they, if you're not with them, you're against them. And it's such a weird, uh, again, insecure way of being. I used to talk to the Tezos community as an example, and there weren't any bridges yet on, on Tezos. And I'd co- constantly yell at people be like, why haven't any, hasn't anyone launched a bridge? Because in my opinion, I think the technology is superior to so, so many other products. And if you believe that, then the bridge can only help you. That's if right. you don't want to launch a bridge because you're afraid of interoperability, it means you believe your product's not as good as the other side of the bridge, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, and, and I, I think that, you know, Algo has done a really good job uh, of that. It's really easy to kind of transfer assets from one blockchain to another. And now Tezos, uh, um, over the years, have, have built multiple bridges, and some of them are really good and easy to use. And, and I think that that only helps helps uh, everyone, right? It, you know, you build these uh, products. So getting back to uh, to trust token and, and what you're doing, you know, it sounds like you're so far um, mostly on, uh, on EVM uh, chains, which makes or or Ethereum or um, EVM chains, which makes the most sense because even as Algo grows as Tesla's grows and things like that. It's still where the majority of the assets and the demand is, right? So, yeah. exactly today it is, and and uh, it's you know it's great that DeFi is growing on Algorand and other blockchains, but Ethereum L1 just has the total lion's share today. And you know if that changes, then I think we and a lot of other DeFi protocols are going to be going to be migrating. Well, yeah. maybe but, a reverse question. 
when do you guys think that's going to change? And that's open to everybody because, you know, there's clearly seems to be some staying power for some reason, right? Yeah, I'm probably the one person, one of the few people here who doesn't hold a bunch of other, uh, you know, L1 tokens that I'm betting on. I don't know, Ivan, when that's going to change. I will tell you, well, I'll, I'll tell you too, full disclosure, that a majority of my personal holdings, if I'm holding crypto, is Ethereum and Bitcoin. Um, I do uh, hold Tezos also. I feel like that's really important to me because I believe, you know, uh, uh, you know, I, I believe and having spent time with the community and having spent time with uh, with individuals, I do believe that technology wise, it's one of the most amazing products. But I'm also rational enough to have grown up and seen better products lose over and over and over again um, yeah. in this world of user experience, marketing, and everything else, right? Um, Remember, you know, I, I mentioned that I that I worked at MySpace. I saw MySpace's yeah. uh, rise and fall internally. I saw Facebook uh, do what they did. I watched Twitter grow, you know, and compete in all those things. And which one was the best product? Well, it depends on who you ask, right? right. But which one won? Uh, maybe not the best products, but, but probably the best execution, um, the right. best marketing, and everything else. And that's up to community in the blockchain space. That's up to community. That's up to culture. That's up to, um, you know, uh, uh, the, the ecosystem. And, you know, at the end of the day, Raphael mentioned um, open source software, right? Being a huge part of it. When I first started participating in Tezos, as an example, I might have thought based on my conversations with really, really smart engineers that it was better technology. But when I wanted to mint an NFT on Tezos, I couldn't just go into GitHub, search Tezos NFT and find 18 different, uh, you know, repositories to, to learn from. Exactly. I, I had like half of a repository to learn from. Right. But if I did the same thing on Ethereum, I had a lot of options and I had a lot of learning and I had a lot of documentation and I had a lot of copy and paste uh you know, execution of things that just doesn't exist yet on other chains, which is which is why I was made made it a point to to talk about uh, Algorand's uh, developer community when they presented right. at LA Blockchain. So I was so impressed by how how much documentation and how much there was there. Um, you know, it's it's just an, an interesting thought. You know, we we sat it kind of sidetracked into. Um, you know. Benedetto, you having built sort of first on, on a different chain other than Ethereum, right? Um, you know, you get to learn from maybe some of those projects on Ethereum, but, but you're building from scratch. You're, you're building into a new community. What, what have you learned? What are the things that you, you know, maybe wish Algo had or, or maybe you think are doing better than, than the rest of the Ethereum community? Um, yes. Yeah, so... There are things in what Algorand is growing still. For example, we had uh, a major pain that it was not fully supporting Ledger. So mm -hmm. by up as us, uh, we were very limited from that. Uh, we had to do tricky workaround in order to have Ledger compatible with uh, our protocol. But now Algorand has updated it, so it, it works after a a little fight from us to request it. Now it is, um, but indeed, then the team of like on both Algorand Inc. and Algorand Foundation is is incredibly good and is growing very well. 
Um, I think the technology is great. Uh, just to give you a sneak peek of one of our update latest update, it's state proofs. Um, so they launched this, uh, uh, I think it has been launched the first state proof of Algorand. So state proofs is um, a cryptographic key that allows a very secure bridging technology. So obviously it needs the light client on both chains. So right now we have just an Algorand, but when it will be deployed, for example, on Ethereum, and I know there are people working on that, um, it, it is a very secure way to use uh, cryptography for building bridges. Hmm. And that's totally a new uh, technology. What, when you say that, like, what's the what's the benefit? So, so. because uh, you don't need the, basically uh, the validator of the off-chain part that needs mm. to approve the two transaction over side, but you just have cryptography. And basically, uh, I'm not a, a technician. Okay, so my my understanding is learned from speeches, right? So I might say something slightly wrong, but the concept is is right. So basically, on uh, Algorand, every 15 blocks, you get to have this uh, proof that represents the history of all the other blocks. So mm -hmm. you, by reading this, uh, this key, you are able to secure that the funds are in those wallets, right, in the mm -hmm. respective addresses. Mm -hmm. And uh, that ensures that when you, you do a bridge, you understand that what is being done from one side and the other is correct, hundred percent. Right. Um, how, how how long is it? Is every block or every fifteen blocks 15. on algorithm? On is three seconds per block. Two seconds per block. Three. 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 They okay. upgraded uh, just in the latest updates. Is three seconds, two point nine, and six thousand transactions per second. So the end. You, you must think that on algorithm. Uh, the percentage of this power used is very low. So, you know, they are scaling up before we have the mass adoption. You know, we are betting mm -hmm. on this and we are getting ready on that. And compared to other chains that they reach the limit and then they fix the problem, Algorand has a very different, um, you know, way of doing this. It's always trying to be uh, provident, not having the problem, always testing a lot, because it's a very solid team, as I said, from, you know, MIT and Silvio, it's a very genius. So you, you don't really, they don't really want to have problem also because one of, um, you know, the, um, the way of marketize algorithm is never been down and the instant finality always working. And, uh, I think that matters a lot, honestly, especially when uh, you are talking to institutions, to governments, as they are doing, right? So, and when you have billions, maybe, of transactions that you, a government is sending to another, you don't really want that the block is down and that you want that the chain works. And in that case, really, Algorand makes a difference com compared to other competitors. Obviously, it is what it is. The community is small. You don't find uh, uh, code open source that you can just copy and paste. Mm -hmm. This is difficult. So at your question at the beginning, when we started this, we had to build everything from scratch, really. We take Avent Compound as example, and we started to study it. But I can tell you something. For us, it was good. 
it was difficult but good because we were able to see inefficiencies on for example how v2 was doing some stuff for example i can tell you uh we never liked the incentive of other the incentive model so may, yeah the incentives model hmm. yeah okay. so you you may borrow at five percent apr but you are receiving 10 percent apr so how right. this is sustainable how this could you think in traditional finance i've never seen it and uh, i i don't think it's sustainable for definition because you are paying out more than you are receiving and it can help also that you are paying out someone that is getting liquidated so you don't really want it and uh, so we thought okay let's do something different we did cashback so we just copied mm. it from traditional finance if a user is repaying its interest apr over its loan we pay him in cashback when now we have algo from the foundation as rewards because we haven't launched our token yet, but you are giving us revenue. You are not putting us in danger because you are not getting liquidated. I incentivize you. You are good users. I want you to be in my community. Yeah, I'm doing it. You are not by you are liquidated. We get the fee out of that and we are all happy. That's um, interesting. So DeFi with cash back yeah. as opposed to with the normal farming model that many mm -hmm. DeFi protocols use. Yeah, and uh, I can tell you, uh, we had a comparison with another protocol that used that model of Sonagran. We burn much less rewards, but still the users are happy, even if they could have uh, almost 200% cash back. We don't set 200% because otherwise that would be risky, right? Because it grows together with the utilization ratio is set as a percentage over the interest they get. No, I'm not going to technical for sure. Uh, you can understand me. There's a lot of there's a lot of unsustainable models I've seen when yeah. groups do get um, uh, grants from foundations or things like that. They think, okay, let's just crank up the 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 APY or whatever so we can pull in. Uh, so we can pull in users and then either they're giving away their token, which ends up dumping. And so it ends this up is just a word of incentives. Honestly, yeah. I have I never liked it. And I think DeFi will never get mass adoption with that. Yeah. So mm -hmm. just, well, that, that way we will have just Web3 community jumping from an ecosystem mm -hmm. to another, depending where there are the incentives. Mm -hmm. uh, but if we want to build something sustainable, uh, for sure, we, we need oh. It's okay. Uh, we, we lost Ivan for a second. Hopefully, lending. I think it's very important. Uh, but at the same time, what I think will change really the adoption is real world tokenized assets. Because yes. when you will be able to have an over collateralized loan by using your house, maybe, you know, that's in my opinion very connected to the reality. So, yeah, I, 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 th I think this way. Yeah. And I think that DeFi has to be sustainable in order that when we will arrive to that point where we will have a lot of tokenization of real world assets, mm -hmm. then we will be able to integrate it. Yeah. I, I have so many thoughts, not just on the real world asset side, but we're talking about layer twos versus uh, other layer ones and side chains and things like that. Um, totally. I, I have like so many places we could have taken this conversation. Oh, yeah. but I feel like I need to have you guys back so we can do it again because we're, <laughs> sure. we're almost up at the hour and I want to, um, uh, we're not going to have any real time for this question either, but let's, let's do it anyway. I would love to get 
an opinion from you guys. We're uh, we're on the uh, we're a few hours away from the ETH merge. Um, I feel like that's that's exciting. I think Benedetto, you said you're even going to a uh, a Web three uh, uh, hang party or something. It's going to be like eight a.m. for you, so I, I, it's going to be a weird party, but uh, kind of awesome. Um, Raphael, I think uh, uh, you know you you had some thoughts of it before we hopped on live, but we don't have a lot of time. But I'd love to get everyone's opinion on the merge. What do you think is going to happen? Any any weird predictions or thoughts? Uh, uh, before I, I ask everyone to give their uh, plugs. And then I, I'm going to have to have you guys back. I have so many feelings. Like You mentioned Trust Token on, um, on uh, Optimism, but I just spoke to uh, one, of, one of our close friends who's building on Arbitrum, and he's yeah. only able to launch this really sophisticated DeFi product on Arbitrum because of the, the throughput, because of what makes it different from you know the Ethereum uh, layer one and everything else. So there's so many things we can jump into. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to do this again. Um, but but what's ETH merge? We didn't even talk about it. <laughs> I I can give my quick take, Alon. Yeah. Um, but I agree. I think Benedetto just opened up a gazillion things about <laughs> DeFi and what's sustainable and what's not and what's gonna cause yeah. growth long term and real world assets uh, that we've got to talk about. So. Uh, yeah. I hope this conversation is just getting hey, started. Um, by the way, I, I mentioned this earlier, LA Blockchain Summit, everyone. I'm um, saying this publicly now, uh, but I'm going to make sure it happens also privately. All three of you are are 100% invited to uh, to speak uh, at the event. I am a speaker already selected there. So Okay, good. <laughs> good. Uh, Benedetto, we're going to have you back. Um, Rafael, Ivan, I hope you join us in LA in uh November 1st through 3rd, um, we should, maybe we should like uh, purposely do, do that talk there, but let's, let's talk yeah, about it and, and figure it out. I we hope, can. I hope you guys join us. Um, Raphael, either, either it's a, a short flight from San Francisco or a long drive from San Diego, but you should come too. <laughs> I would love to. Yes. I'm right, too. And, and you too. I've been, I'll, I'll send you guys notes about sure. it, but, but okay. What's, what's your merge feelings? All right, very briefly on the merge, I would just say, you know, as a company that has bridging between real world assets and DeFi as part of our DNA, you know, TrueFi, major uncollateralized lending protocol on DeFi, TrueUSD and other major stable coins, you know, for us, the prospect of a fork is quite concerning. But I, I do also, I understand both why many people in the Ethereum community think we need to take this step forward, but also why some people are concerned about it and are uh, threatening, you could say, or at least I'm proposing yeah. the idea of having a fork and um, making a chain that's gonna stay on proof of work. I understand that perspective too, because proof of work is more proven at some level. Yeah. So to me, it's a, it's a difficult question and uh, I don't know what the coming weeks are gonna hold. Okay, we just really, really quickly before the other guys uh, give their take on the merge or their, their 30 second take, which isn't enough time for anything. Uh, if you have two seconds to answer this question, what percentage chance of a fork having medium success and and use uh, an actual uh, use uh, to happen? Thirty percent, I'd say. Ooh, that's that's higher than I would have guessed. Okay, totally like out of my ass. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I like the answer. I was gonna say thirty percent. I don't know what All happened right. there. I was gonna say right 20, but honestly, after I saw how many people were trying to borrow uh, it on Ave, 
because yeah. of thinking of that will happen. Yeah. Like maybe there is something beneath that I don't know. Uh, so I, I might say also about 13 now, but before I was thinking about 20. <laughs> yeah, you're seeing people in the market betting yeah. on this in different ways. The, the, the to stop like I, the loan. Yeah, right. I, I, I was thinking about, I, I said this before we went live when Raphael said something about, um, about you know, a fork. I was thinking from it, I, I didn't even really consider, and maybe this is, this is a tell, uh, but I didn't even consider a fork like an actual thing I would use. I was thinking of it like, how are people gonna pump this idea so that they could create, you know, like the proof of work ETH fork and then dump on the community, right? Like I was only thinking from it from a cynical standpoint. I wasn't thinking, they might. you know what? There's gonna be good security reasons to have a proof of work ETH fork, right? Like there is, right. you know. That's the thing that's interesting ETH about crypto is just how the, the cynical and the genuinely technical interweave, right? And you, you can't always tell which is which or, or what the fraction is. And, and one day you might think of something in a cynical nature and then you're proven wrong. Very regularly, I think we're all proven wrong or at least educated on things um, because totally. it's, we're, we're surrounded by the smartest people in the world, right? So, so I, Ivan, how do you how do you feel about uh, a fork? Is it going to affect Pennyworks at all? I mean, you guys are kind of blockchain agnostic. Um, well, I mean, I, I just want to mention there is another chain called Ethereum Classic, just in case you guys haven't uh -huh. heard about it. And, you know, and so <laughs> I'm actually I've met uh, a lot of people who are building on Ethereum Classic. I've set, met some of the foundation people, really? and I've only ever been really impressed by them. And I get really? that some of the Ethereum community and people. It's like the butt of the joke, right? And and I and I kind of I could pile onto that too. Like, yeah, I can totally see it. But yeah, when I, I've met people who are serious about Ethereum Classic, yeah. I, it's it's like when you have these conversations with people and you're like, you had this preconceived notion of like, oh, this is silly or this is like a like whatever, and then you're like, oh shit, like she was genuinely really smart or that guy was. I really uh -huh. like them, and all of a sudden you're realizing like, you know. Is, these are good people too, and 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 I don't think that they did it for some cynical reason, right? And right. that totally. is... a lot. And I, I think there, there's there's something very interesting there because at one level I'm like, okay, Ethereum Classic, you know, like is it a serious is it a serious competitor to Ethereum or a serious alternative to Ethereum in any way? Not really today. But on the other hand, like the principles on which it's founded, I kind of agree with. Like, how would we feel today about using a fork of Ethereum to reverse a transaction? I mean, there's hacks all the time in, on Ethereum yeah. L1, all the time. We don't even think about forking the blockchain to, to mess with those hacks. I mean, it would be massively controversial yeah. if you did that. So, so at some level, I very much agree with the principles that Ethereum Classic stands for. Yeah, it's so it's. It's so interesting, right? Like, yeah. but but I think that we have also this feeling because of all the really ridiculous Bitcoin forks from early on. Like, yes. and, and, <laughs> what was that? Bitcoin Diamond. Bitcoin Diamond. <laughs> yes. yes. To the moon. <laughs> you know what's really funny? I remember having a call one time, and now we're going way over time. But I remember having a hangout session with my cousin once where he, while we were hanging out on like a FaceTime, he was plugging in his ledger going like, where are all my forks? And he like, cause he hadn't for like, he hadn't yet uh, claimed any of any of the forks or like he still had, you know, 
some of the the first ones, right? Like, uh, um, you know, um, uh, what's uh, what's, what was that? BTX, yeah, like he didn't BCH. get his BCH yet or anything like that. And so, you know, he's like, I should get this. It's worth something, you know, like it, when we're talking about it in 2017, 18, whatever. Right. It was it's such a, a funny thing. Are we going to have a, a version of that like in six months with uh, with Ethereum? Will there be like seven forks of people saying they're the real Ethereum? And uh, and, you know, will we be claiming them just so we can sell them or do something? With them? I think we all hope not. I, I think I hope not, but it, it creates such a funny and interesting dynamic. I think for the mass use situation, you know, my feelings about about the, the merge and everything right now are that I hope that the narrative can actually drive because I think the, the Ethereum is bad for the environment narr- narrative is mostly complete bullshit, right? Like yeah. it really is when you compare it to comparable things. It's, it's ridiculous, right? But I hope that the merge does create an opportunity, like I've seen in the mainstream media over the last few days, to say this merge is now completely making Ethereum great for the environment, or at least um, you know, a wash or, or whatever. And I hope that things like even like the Starbucks NFTs and things like that get rid of that ridiculous narrative because at the end of the day, you know, as we say in crypto, memes are money, and that that narrative is a big driver of adoption. I'm sure, right. you know, Algo doesn't have those same things. But when you talk about NFTs on Algo to somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about, they're like, "Oh, that thing that's horrible for the environment, NFTs." Right. Like, it's ridiculous. It, does, it none of it makes sense. So, I'm, that's my feelings. Is I hope this helps drive the narrative, and I hope you know uh, um, it stays as secure and as awesome as as it has been and as right. we've uh, enjoyed it to be. And uh, uh, it's going to be a fun, I think. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a, a fun few days. Like some people think it's going to be a crazy few days. I think it's going to be a crazy few weeks um, until we really know what's what's going on, right? Well, well crypto I, I always think... keeps it interesting. That's yes. for sure. <laughs> on the okay, so... Side, uh, go ahead. No, go, go ahead, Ivan. So I, I was going, attending some of these investment conferences, right? So completely not really about crypto, but like the two main things that people talk about besides crypto, is ESG, right? Mm. What is ESG? What is greenwashing and so on and so forth? So regardless of whether there's certain people like, oh, I'm against NFTs, it does remove a talking point that isn't against, yeah. whether it's fair or not, right? It does remove Exactly. It. So now you have the exactly. gaming community. It's like, well, look, I'm spending all this money. Now I can do it on, on, on the blockchain and actually retain some agency. I'm going to show you something. I was holding this in my hand, flipping it around because it was sitting on my desk, not realizing what this is. This is, and I didn't even pay attention to it until like one of the last couple minutes. I was like, what am I flipping in my hand? And I looked at it and it is a Roblox redeemable token that one of my kids got in a physical toy that somebody gave them as a gift, like they bought a Target or something. And this is an exclusive virtual item called a glorious mullet, right? And my kids have come to me multiple times in the last couple years because they've been early adopters of crypto if you guys can't see this my son Pupudadi, right um so he's uh, we're 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 a, a a crypto family and they know what nfts are and they've come to me multiple times saying this roblox game is launching an nft they're doing an nft thing and then i go on to twitter to follow that game developer because i'm like oh i should try to get them on blockchain and booze or i gotta see what's going on here um and every single time the majority of their community or the parents of the kids in the community 
are inundating them with public messages of what horrible people they are. You're indoctrinating our children into this thing that's bad for the environment, a scam of crypto and whatever. And then those people end up backtracking and backpedaling and don't end up launching the NFT. And this is probably one of the biggest gaming platforms in the world, right? Um, and, and this should be an NFT, right? If anything should be an NFT, you know, I want a Roblox glorious mullet in my, in my Algo, Tez wallet, uh, uh, um, Ethereum wallet, you know, right? Like that, that is the perfect item. And, but the yeah. thing that's, I think, the great benefit is if the narrative changes, and it will over time, regardless of if, you know, it happens with the merge or not, I, I think it will happen with the merge. But, like, regardless, think about that. Like, my kids who will, you know, be adults in the years to come, right, and everyone else, they're digital natives. They give, they think this is way cooler, right? Yeah, yeah and bringing back the glorious mullet. By the way, uh, uh, I'm gonna have to change the intro song uh, to Blockchain and Booze to Ape Drape by the Vandals, uh, if, if you guys don't know what that is, talking to community. Yeah. But, you know, they're digital natives. If you gave them a Pokemon card or a comic book, or you said, or you could have a glorious mullet uh, in your um, Roblox account, they'd take the the the, the digital item a hundred percent not like you know hey for us we're crypto natives but a comic book is still cool and a digital one is still cool like where it's like a 50 50 or older people where 90 percent of the time they'll take the physical one they will 100 percent of the time take the digital item that to right. them is more real and that's a huge you know we should be insanely bullish on what we're doing regardless of of everything going on just just based by by that example so um, I feel like I'm talking too much, but we got to wrap up because we're over time and people want to uh, hop into blockchainboost.io and, uh, and hang out at tables. But really quickly, each person, uh, starting with Raphael, we'll just go down the, the, the uh, way. Give us a plug. Where should we follow you? Where should we follow Trust Token? So you can find me on Twitter at, at Raphael Cosman, R-A-F-A-E-L-C-O-S-M-A-N. Um, TrueFi at, at TrueFiDAO, T-R-U-E-F-I-D-A-O. And um, our site, TrueFi.io, has all of the links as well as links to our Discord community. We would have loved to have everyone from the Blockchain and Booze community come and visit our community, get involved in our protocol. If you're excited about the future of DeFi and about what lending can become on-chain, please come and join us and chat. Love it. Uh, Ivan, uh, where to follow you, where to follow Pennyworks? Yes, Pennyworks is uh, Twitter, Pennyworks underscore, and as well, LinkedIn, Pennyworks, the company, or site, Pennyworks.com, or Pennyworks. Most of the other uh, top-level domains. Uh, my Twitter handle, at CRLFQ, completely unrelated, but very short. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, and uh, looking forward to anybody that's interested in onboarding their mother to crypto or have you the most... Uh, you know, baby step way to get an introduction to the value add that crypto can offer. Come check us out, pennyworks.com. Love it. Um, and Benedetto, follow you on Folks Finance. Yes, and my handle on Twitter is Benedetto BIO, all uh, connected. And Folks Finance is Folks Finance. Uh, but I suggest you to jump on our website, it's folks.finance, subscribe to our newsletter have a big discord community with many ambassadors also if you need support in other languages 
we are all there for our community. We I always say awesome. our community is everything, so we always listen to you and we are happy to onboard yeah, you. I in, love it. In us. I love it. Um, on the episodes where I have the blockchain uh, boost theme song version of the intro, um, I stole the quote from Lunar Crush, which they say, without community, there is no crypto. So um, mm. I, I truly believe yes. in that. And, and I think we've got one of the best ones. So, so I appreciate you guys. Thank you guys all so much for joining us. For those of you um, who are hanging backstage or watching the streams, go to blockchainboost.io. It'll redirect you to our new site, which is at DGH uh, Events and all that stuff but just you can log in you'll be able to turn on your camera hang with the community um uh for those of you who are back there i'm going to switch it in one sec turn on your cameras hang out i'm going to sneak off have dinner with the family and then i think i'm going to come back on and stay really really late like Raphael suggested before this we got the merge tonight um uh or ivan i think you said it who's up till yes. 2 a.m i think our time it's only gonna be like 11 p.m midnight or so uh, west coast time so so let's do it i'll probably hang out there till midnight it'll be pretty fun um, have a great night, everyone. Uh, hope to see you back. Hope to see you in LA at LA Blockchain Summit. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you, Alan. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. A lot. Thanks. Thank you.